Did you come expecting that God's going to come with such power and authority with the word this morning? Did you know he has something for you? I don't know if you understand how much it takes to stand up there and do that, but there's a lot of hours and a lot of travailing and a lot of prayer. And she comes with the word this morning that will touch our hearts. And so put your hand on your heart. And I just ask you, Father, that what you want, you would speak to us this morning. And we just ask you to bless your servant and that you would speak through her to us and you would use her mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. I I don't like you to get too comfortable. So stand. I'm going to read two scriptures over you. There's a little bit of groaning back there. (laughs) The last part of this scripture in Lamentations 3, it says, great is your faithfulness. So I'm going to read it. When I get to that, I'd love you to say it with me. Is it on the? It's not up there yet. Okay. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, for they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In Psalms 117.2, it says, For great is the steadfast love towards us, and his faithfulness, I'm sorry, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Ready? Shout it. Praise the Lord. God is so good, isn't he? Sometimes we need to put in our hearts and remind ourselves of his faithfulness. And I'm going to just recount to you some of his faithfulness through the scripture. So just say, God is faithful to me. God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to his promises. So now that all of you are standing, I'm, uh, <laughs> we're going to pick some teams. Who's ready to pick a t- be on my team? Do you know what we're going to play? Oh, basketball. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but I figure, you know, basketball's on the horizon, so we should just, you know, already get there. Hey, the world loves to make you get ahead of the game, and so we're, and you might be seated. I just want you to know that I'm about, I'm about ready to pick some teams. Who wants to be on my team? You know, when somebody, well, I guess no one, but that's all right. I got a little skill in basketball, just a little. Wow, my mom is laughing. <laughs> the one that knows you the most. <laughs> she must not think I have any skill in basketball. <laughs> have you ever been standing on the field where everyone, like, where you're going to get picked? Anybody been out there? And, like, two people are picking teams? And that person that's picking teams is picking teams based on their understanding. Somewhat they're picking teams. If they, if they looked out amongst you and they saw the tallest person, they'd probably pick that person for their basketball team. They might pick the one that they think is the strongest. They might be looking out who's, who's the strongest one out there. Maybe I want them on my team. You might be the one that's picked because you're friends with the person picking. Oh, I definitely want my friends on my team. Unless you're really bad, and then they won't pick you. That's happened. They might pick you based on if they know you know the game or not, and how to play, if you have ability or not. 
But if you came into it and you had to pick blindly and all you had was a list of names, that would be just random. I'm going to pick every C name, you know? I mean, you just pick randomly. Have you ever been the first one to be picked? A few of you. That comes with a lot of feelings, probably some good feelings, like, yeah, I got picked first. Hallelujah. We might have a good feeling of acceptance, like someone chose me first. That would be awesome. I would love to have been picked first. Have you ever been the last one standing there, and then they're looking at, is there anyone else, maybe someone else behind the fence? That can stir up a lot of feelings of rejection and hurt. And humans do things a lot differently than God does. I'm going to say that again because I want you to actually respond to that out loud. Humans do things differently than God does. Aren't you thankful? Yet we like to confine God to the ways man does things. We like to confine him to our ways and our thoughts. And he breaks out of that because you actually serve the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Aren't you glad that he does it differently than the people that we sit with? I am. I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that God does things differently. I'd like to just, you know, make mention that I did play basketball and I did score. <laughs> just going to give myself props up here because I got to feel better now. <laughs> but I can tell you that uh, there was a day back um, when I first met Romero and he had a lot of basketball skills. And I thought I had a lot of basketball skills. <laughs> and I get, we got on, into playing. And I don't know why God created him a lot faster than me, but it bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is human. I'm just going to tell you, uh, and I'm apologizing that I did this, but, you know, he went really fast and I just couldn't handle it. And so I was like... Stuck my foot out to trip him, and he looked at me like, how in the world could you trip me? Why would you ever do that? And I was like, well, you're going too fast, and I couldn't keep up. And I think might have been the last time he played basketball with me. I'm not really sure. I don't remember. You serve the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I want to tell you through their story, God did a lot of things. And I'm going to use the terminology through basketball and the idea of the pass. And God is the greatest passer of all times. He has a plan that he's working through history, and it did not end at Jesus. It has continued into your lives. But I want to take you back to so you can look back and say, oh, this is what God has done, so that you can bank into his faithfulness in your life. And God spoke a promise over Abraham in Genesis 15, and he had told him a lot of different promises. But this one in Genesis 15, he said to him about that the generations that your children will be in, that they'll be sojourners in a land. And they'll end up being there for a long time, but I'll bring them out. Has God ever spoken something to you and it felt like forever? So then... Abraham had Isaac, and so there was a little bit of a, like a bounce pass. There's no one up here to bounce the ball to, but just imagine. So there was a bounce pass to his son Isaac, and the promise continued. And the promise stayed alive through Isaac's life. And I want to show you something, because I think that sometimes 
in the natural, there's a video we're going to play. Because like my bounce pass was terrible because there wasn't even anybody. But I want you to see something in the natural so you can get a vision to say, oh, that was like uh, what a human could do. That's really cool. So you can bank into how cool God is because he's way better. So want to play the video? Feel like I will go with Larry Bird's uh, is the greatest passes pass. of all time. Won't go. Bird the rebound. Over his head to McHale. Vintage Larry Bird. You know, some of his passes were off the charts, and I see his highlights all the time, and how gifted of a passer he was. I say Larry Bird is one of the best passes I've ever seen. Oh, the greatest pass of all time is easy. It's Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, when he did the look away. The one with Magic Johnson, when he like, looked his way and threw it back. He faked the pass to James Worthy and uh, threw it back to uh, Byron Scott for a layup. That was a cold pass. He faked it left and threw it back right. Fake this way and went back this way. Fake pass this way and then zipped it over his shoulder. And it was the most amazing thing I had ever saw to this day. Magic Johnson, when he went down the lane and threw a no look. Uh, to James Worthy. That was one of the best passes I've ever seen. Magic has some, some sick passes. I'd probably say one of Magic Johnson's passes. I'm sure it was one of Magic's magical passes. Magic. <laughs> He's throwing no-look passes and uh, just going crazy on the break. Anytime you watch him, he'll do some kind of a crazy pass, looking this way, that way. Here comes Magic to pick it up. Magic's in deep and there's a full court Magic Johnson pass that he threw, full court bounce pass, went to like, seemed like it went through like five people's legs. I definitely say Magic is up there in top passes of all time. Either a Magic Johnson pass or. And there was a lot of people that did amazing things and a lot of passes. And as I watched through that whole video, there was a lot of different guys mentioned. But did you hear the awe of like the, when they were talking about the pass? Like, that was sick. That was like, whoa. I mean, even when I watched the video, it was like, whoa, how could they do that? There was a pass that I didn't show you, but the guy actually took the ball. And I, you know, I'm not that great, so I can't even show you without with the ball. But you go, he went behind his back, popped his elbow out. It hit his elbow, and then it flung to the person. And I was like, that was behind the elbow pass. Like, they were like, I, I didn't even, I couldn't even have done that when I was like just practice I didn't even want to do that alone like the guy was just going on and on about it and I just think that sometimes God does things that are so like you're just you should be like whoa holy cow that was cool and I'm gonna take you through the story of Jacob but it's really the story of Jesus it's the story of God and how he worked through the past so he'd take the, like one person would carry the ball and be like that, and then they'd pass it to the next person, and then it would pass to the next person and pass to the next person, and there was something happening in history like that. And so all of a sudden, uh, Jacob, sorry, Isaac and Rebecca, they found themselves ready to have a baby. And she's sitting in the midst of this pregnancy And it's her first pregnancy, and there's a lot of struggle going on inside of her. And she's like, I don't know what's going on in there, but I got to hear from the Lord. And so she said she took herself into the the presence of the Lord and asked, God, what's going on inside my womb? And you can find this story in Genesis 25, 22 through 23. I'm going to read it to you. And it says, the Lord said to her, 
Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided, and one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. There was a prophetic word spoken over her that went against what the natural society of time was. That the firstborn was supposed to carry the strength and the one that led and the one that, that was supposed to do these things. And that was Esau. Esau came first and then Jacob. And so I said, Lord, I don't get it. Why didn't you just have Jacob come first? If you wanted him to be that, why not just have him come first? And there's a beautiful passage in Romans 9. If you want to turn in your Bible to it, it's in verse 10. It starts... And God answered me through his word. And it says, not only so, but also when Rebecca had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac. So this is talking about Esau and Jacob. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad. So in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. And I think that that is one vital scripture for your life, that man's election and man's decision and you being really good or really bad doesn't play into this. When God chooses you and he calls you and you're chosen by him, it's because of his will. That should give you a real good excitement in your heart. Because man would love to say you can't or shouldn't or it isn't or you don't look right or this or that or all the things. And you've all stood in that in a natural space of like being chosen for a team and not been chosen the first. But God chose Jacob. And it wasn't because of anything he had done or hadn't done. It was because of the will of God. And so as it goes, as it goes on... There's a lot of different rivalry between the family members. There's sibling contention between these boys. They've been at war and struggling. Anybody have any rivalry between their siblings? Anybody have some frustrations between their family members? And so all of a sudden, there must have been a moment that Jacob had understood the importance of the birthright. Because there was, a, there was an opportunity that came into play, and there was a very hungry brother. And he's like, well, trade it for, with me for this soup, this bowl of soup. And he did. He sold it to him for that bowl of soup. And I want you to understand that when God chooses you, you have to want. There has to be some want in you. Like, like it, you could look at one of those, like, really cool, like, passes and be like I want to do that but what is it going to take if God said you could do it what is it going to take to get there some hours on the basketball with the basketball and a lot of messing up and a lot of movement and a lot of strength training there's got to be some want in your gut and I am, am encouraging you to start getting a little bit more want I want I want more of God I want more of his movement on the earth I want to see him do more things than I've ever seen him do before you have to have some desire and there had to have been some desire for that birthright because he actually went after it otherwise he would have let it fall to the wayside And so that happened, and that created a lot more drama. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there was a moment when his father said, I'm going to bless you, Esau. Go get some game and come in. 
And I'd like to call this the fake, faked, fake the pass. When you think it's going this way and it goes that way, a fake pass. Because Rebecca came in and she had known the prophetic word that was spoken over Jacob. And she said, son, you need to go get yourself ready. And he's like, well, I don't look like my brother. I don't feel like my brother. I don't, you know, she's like, I'm going to cook the meal. Let's put some skin on you. Let's put some hairiness on you. And like, you go in and do this. And there was a moment where the, the, she stood in that space and I don't know if she went after the prophetic word. It doesn't say that, but she knew what the Lord had spoken and she knew the value of the blessing. Do you know the value of the blessing of the Lord over your life? The importance of it, the richness of his blessing on your life. And he, and she knew it and she knew he needed that blessing because that changed everything. That blessing, the blessing of Abraham on your life through Jesus changes everything. And actually, Jacob's mother, Rebecca, must have known there's something to this. This isn't just words. And I feel like so often we get caught up and we just think it's words. And it's more than words. It's power. There is power in the blessing of the Lord. There is power in the promise of God. There is power in the word of God. And you have to take hold of it like he did. I'm going after this. And in the midst of it, it caused a lot more drama. His brother Esau was so mad. He's like, he actually consoled himself with the thought of murdering his brother. It says that in the word. If you have family drama you can see it in the word and that God can turn things around he can take what the enemy meant for harm and evil and turn it into a position and a place and I'm just saying like I just think about this this moment catapulted him out of where he was and into Laban's household which was Rebecca's brother which was his uncle and if he had not went there he would not have ever had eyes for Rachel he would never have met her. And sometimes the things in our lives that happen and it's like a real lot of chaos and a lot of like drama and a lot of frustration and a lot of this. And you could say a lot of that about it. And you could talk to me about it for a long time. Did you ask the Lord, what are you doing in this? Saying, God, what is it that your handiwork is involved? Because there was handiwork of the Lord involved. And maybe they didn't see it. But he was working. And on his way out is when he actually encountered the Lord when he took and he had this dream. And the Lord blessed him and spoke over him. God's purpose and prevail and purpose and will prevails in our lives. And I challenge you not to get bitter. In the middle of the mess. In the middle of your story, don't get bitter. Don't let hatred and unforgiveness settle in your hearts. It's so easy. Esau let hatred and frustration settle in his heart. So he went, so Jacob went on all the way to Laban's house. And he worked for Laban because he had these like hot eyes for Rachel. He wanted Rachel and he worked for her for seven years. And seven years is, feels like a long time, yeah? And he's like, oh, it just felt like a day. I'm like, it was high on love. 
I'm just saying. <laughs> like, come on. Like, have you ever felt like seven years was, oh, that was just like a day. I don't, I don't ever remember feeling like that. But Laban threw him a behind the back pass. And all of a sudden, in the middle of it, he was in this bridegroom suite, but he was not with Rachel and he was with Leah. And he was not happy about it the next morning. I don't know who would have been happy about it. Like he, the scripture clearly says a lot of things about her. But one thing it says that she had weak eyes. And he wasn't real interested in weak eyes. That the Bible likes, I don't know what that means exactly, but I would have suggested that she wasn't the prettiest of the pretty. It actually declares that Leah was hated. That she was actually unchosen, not wanted. And I think sometimes we can come into that place in our lives where we feel unwanted. Like God would never choose us. Sometimes we even feel hated. And man's will, it was very clear. I mean, there wasn't like this secret conversation between Jacob and Laban. Like, dude, I didn't want Leah. Like, it was loud. It was very known. It was, it was very blatant that he was like, just, you know, whatever. But I want to declare to you when, when God sees you and God knows who you are, he knows how to pick you because he picked Leah. When man didn't want her, he picked her. And he picked her before man didn't want her, just so you know. And how do I know that, you say? It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, and, and yet Rachel was barren. And Leah produced Reuben, and then she produced Simon. You want me to give you a math quiz? Which one's the next one? Math, not math, Bible quiz. <laughs> Anybody know? I didn't know either. I looked it up. Levi, and then the next one was Judah. Anybody know where Jesus came from? The tribe of Judah. Leah carried the seed that your Savior would come through, and she wasn't wanted. And she was hated, and she wasn't the one that anyone chose, but God chose her. And before man had any mark on her, God put the seed of Judah inside of her that was necessary for your salvation. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing? Because who God chooses, no one can say anything about it. And God chose you. You should cheer about that because the world will tell you you can't do anything. But God chose you for such a time as this. And you can't look to someone on your left or on your right because we're all on the same team. And we've all been chosen with purpose. And we've been all picked by God. Because even when you think about it, Rachel conceived. And it took her a long time to conceive, but who did she had, have? She had Joseph. And guess what? That stirred the pot up for a lot of misery in that household. But you know who gave Joseph a dream? God did. I call that the sleepy pass. Anybody likes to take naps? He's got a sleepy pass for you. He created that. 
He created that dream in Joseph. And that dream created a lot of problems because favoritism arose and hatred and animosity arose. And there was a lot of issues and, and, there, and his brothers wanted to destroy him and kill him. I don't know. I have not had my sisters want to kill me. But they sent him off into slavery. And they thought that they'd wash their hands of it. And yet God had a fake one way, then the other way pass. He sent them there on purpose. See, they thought what they were doing was in their will. And God was like, no, you guys, I just used you to send him there. Because I needed to raise him up and mature him and prepare him and position him. Because if he wasn't there, he knew, God knew that famine was coming. And he sent him on purpose because he wanted him to be in that position at that time. So that when the, the, the land got so, had so much famine that the brothers came, that they would be, they would survive it. And Judah was one of those brothers that needed Joseph to go ahead of him and make a way. And God was weaving into the tapestry of this story, redemption and salvation. But Judah wasn't the only brother. Levi was in that brotherhood and Levi was saved. And his family was saved. And I call this the full court pass because lots of generations happened. And guess who came out of Levi's seed? Moses. And Moses brought the people back out of Egypt. And when God told Abraham a whole long time ago that he knew that, the, that his people would end up into that position, he knew he needed Moses in that position. And so he kept passing the ball from this player to this player to that player because he was weaving redemption and forgiveness because <laughs> they were all on the same team in salvation. There's a connectivity in the body of Christ that we need to actually grab a hold of. Because when you get on the court, I don't know about you, but I've played with one, one, um, one person on the court where they think they're the only person on the court and they never pass the ball. They just like do it all themselves. And you're like, excuse me, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> he didn't call us to be like that. He called us to be connective. To actually like realize like you've got the ball in your hands. There's work to be done. There's something that you're called to. You go places that no one else goes to. You are in the company of people that no one else is in the company of. You have a reach that goes beyond what I could do or what the person next to you can do. Even if you sit in the same household, your reach is different. See, in Deuteronomy 26, 8, it says, The Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand and his outstretched arm and with great deeds of terror and with signs and wonders. And I call that a score and a dunk. He's the one that did it. It went all the way to him and he fulfilled his promise. He fulfilled his promise. And he fulfilled it through people. <sighs> Messy people. Sinful people. 
And he's calling us. Because God chose you. I don't, I don't know how to convey that with the depths of the riches of my heart, but I felt like God wanted you to know that he chose you. Like, hardcore. Like, where you could just bank in, like, oh, God chose me. So when the, the difficulties of life happen, and when people say, well, you're not good enough, or you didn't do this and this and this to measure that space, or they say you're not smart enough, or you're not capable enough, or you're too old, or this or that. Like, whenever anything like that comes into your frame, you can say, but God chose me, and he can choose who he wills. When I think about all the way back to Jacob and saying what should have been, and God said, no, I chose Jacob because I knew he'd contend and fight for what I gave him. See, when, he, when you go back into his story, it says that he wrestled with God. He didn't quit. He contended for what God had said over his life. It said he prevailed against man and with God. And he grabbed a hold of the blessing of God. And how often do we just allow bitterness, hurt, lack of our control, anger, frustration, unforgiveness, rule. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm, I'm holding on and I'm not letting go until you bless me. How many times in the promise of God that he's spoken over you have you not let go of? Regardless of the length of time, all night he waged and wrestled with God. I don't know what that felt like. I can't do only like 10 jumping jacks and I'm sweating and I'm hot. You know, like all night wrestling, not giving up, getting some fight in your gut, saying no. No, enemy, you can't have my children. No, enemy, you cannot have my job. No, you cannot have my peace. No, you cannot have my joy. No, you cannot have my provision. No, you cannot have this. No, this is mine. I'm not letting go. I'm holding on to what God has spoken over me. With everything I've got, you've got to get fight in your gut because the enemy has sowed seeds against you. He has sowed seeds of wheat or chaff, or whatever it is that it says, and you have to stand and say, I am immovable. That we get so swayed. Your feelings can get all messy. Don't live by your feelings. Live by the promise. Live with inside of the truth. What has God actually said? What did he say he would do? What prophetic word do you have over your life to say, I'm banking in and I'm not moving? And let me tell you, it's easy. Just get tired. How easy is it for you to go like a little bit off when you're tired? Or you're hungry. They have words for it, hangry now. Like it's an excuse. Like we have an excuse. They have FOMO, like, like fear, like that. It's become glorious. It's not. You need to just be concrete in your standard and your decision that I'm a follower of Jesus and this is what it looks like. What does it look like for you that I'm not moved? 
I'm not swayed. I'm standing and, and God is ultimately working his redemption, his forgiveness and his salvation in my story. And he's, and I am going to bring it to the world. It says that you, there are some of us that are waterers and some of us that are planters, but he's the Lord of the harvest. And we have work to do, my friends. How many people in our county need Jesus? We get caught up in all the rigmarole of all the things, but I'm saying maybe we should fix our focus a little bit more on showing the love of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus and the heart of Jesus and redemption of Jesus and bringing the spirit of reconciliation into spaces and saying, I'm immoved and I will not grow bitter. I will not grow weary. I will not get, let unforgiveness rest on me. He chose you. Maybe look to your neighbor and tell him, God chose you. God chose you. God chose you. Tell me. <laughs> That's right. He did. At our worship night, I was standing there worshiping, and God reminded me of this story because I was feeling a lot of different feelings that night, and, I, and he literally concreted that decision in my heart. Hey, Beck, I chose you. So no matter what it looks like and no matter what I put in front of you, I can do it because I chose you. And like when you know that God's chosen you, it shifts what you think. It shifts all, it, it actually counters all the other voices. Would you stand with me? The whole story that I shared with you is not how humans would have ever played it out. If you would have started at the beginning and said, how do you think God's going to work this out? You would never have said, oh, he's going to do it from this person to that person to this person and that person. His ways are above our ways. So don't let your human intellect and your human understanding and your human thoughts just decipher what God is doing. You need to say, God, what are you doing? Allow me to be connected to your understanding. Allow me to know what your way is and what you're doing because that's what I want to be a part of. It's really, really important that you know what God is doing in the earth today. We can't walk around and just be aimless. Like when you think about being on the court, you got to be in the right place so the ball's passed to you. You got to be knowing where the Spirit's leading. Be in tune with the Spirit. Know what the Spirit's doing. He's doing things on the earth. His heart is for you. And you walk into a coffee shop for him to be able to say, hey, that person needs healing. Go pray for them. He wants you to walk into your job and be able to say, I, I speak peace over this whole place. Because he's anointed you to speak peace, to be a carrier of peace. He wants you to walk into your household and declare, me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And no matter what it looks like, this is where I'm banking in. Sometimes maybe just coming to your own heart and saying, I'm banking in that God is my provider. That he's my peace that he's my protection. Maybe you need to speak who he is over your life. 
say, God, we just thank you. We thank you that the ball is in our hands and that you are positioning us and you chose us for such a time as this on, in 2024 on the earth that we might show and make known the greatest love story of all the earth. God, we say, choose us. Let us be the ones. Speak to us. Let compassion be right amongst us, God. Have our eyes fixed on you. Maybe this morning there's some things that you need to say. I've let bitterness grow. I've let unforgiveness settle. I've let hatred and animosity and favoritism and, and things that have been spoken over me that are death. I've let them win in my mind. And, and you just need to lay them down before the Lord and say, God, I want to know what you say. I want to experience your love, God. Maybe you don't know Jesus, the greatest love story of all. He started in Abraham and he's woven it all the way into 2024 into this building. Jesus, he died on the cross that we might live and have salvation and have life and life more abundantly. And that's for you this morning. If any of those things you want prayer for, there's people up front willing to pray for you. I just want to seal the word in your heart this morning. So put your hand on your heart. change. We want to know you more. I thank you for an intimacy in the house this morning, that you're connecting to people, that you're speaking over them, that you're encouraging them, that you're strengthening them. God, I'm asking that you would help us to make some decisions in the house this morning, to decide I know God's chosen me. I know God's called me. I know and that you've given me a fight for more. God, we want more of you. That we might make you known. God, I ask that you would seal your word. That they would feel the presence of God on their lives. That they would know that they're chosen. thank you, God. We thank you for your word. It's powerful and wonderful and amazing. We thank you for your promises that they're yes in Christ and amen in us. We say amen. We say amen. Hallelujah. You are blessed of the Lord. You're chosen and favored by him. You're his people. You're his people. Put your hand in your heart again. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Go in his grace today.